0: Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens One on Instagram. And this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 443. Holy cow, featuring repar reparation seeds. I knew I was gonna get tongue-tied on that <laughs> for some reason. How you guys doing? I've had an amazing day. Hopefully you have too. Uh RuPa, you wanna tell us how you're doing and of course where we can find you
1: yeah, uh, I'm doing well. It's a little late at night for me, but I've made a cup of coffee and had a couple dabs, so I am ready to go. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Reparation Seeds. Uh, and that's pretty much all the social media I have right now. I'm working on the website. So uh, right now, everything's just kind of through there. And then I have uh, Reparation Seeds at Proton Mail. Uh, .com if you want to get uh, more information about getting seeds to you.
0: Well, I thank you for coming on and uh, hanging out with us this evening. Uh, I greatly appreciate it, and I'm sure chat does as well, gives us another opportunity to hang out, and we are always grateful for that, so thank you in advance, my friend. So. Uh, did you bring something to smoke on while we chat? What do you got, what, what'd you bring to the table?
1: Oh, uh, well over here, the, what I just smoked on was, it's a uh, high five. It's a Michigan, let's see, can you see it? It's mango Nigerian haze. Let's see I Are you it. a Michigander? Uh, I am in Michigan since the beginning of the pandemic. I. Uh, Spent most of my adult life in Humboldt County and sometimes up back and forth between Portland. Uh, But beginning of pandemic, I was working for my friend's hemp company, Emerald Family Hemp. Uh, It's the hemp side of Emerald Family Farms out of Humboldt County. And uh, people just weren't taking on new products as everything was shutting down and when a lot of the smoke shops were non essential. Uh, we closed down the hemp side and they were focusing on the cannabis side, but I was already back in Michigan and kind of sheltered in place here. So I've been just, I just started running seeds and it's a medical state. So I'm a caregiver. So I have had a friend that was going through cancer and I had a couple other friends that use cannabis as medicine. So I've been helping provide them medicine and then just working on genetics And working on autoflower, as well as early photo period seeds that can perform here in Michigan. Um,
2: Working from my Humboldt collected and source genetics, as well as people I have met through Instagram.
0: Well, if you had to be stuck somewhere, I'd like to think, because I'm in Michigan as well, it's a nice place to get stuck, I guess. So, (laughs) cheers to Michigan, I guess.
1: It's it's awesome where I'm at. It's uh out on uh, on zone, so everything is good, and we just passed adult use, so we have we have a dispensary. If my grandparents knew there's a dispensary in their town, they'd probably be quite upset. Um, but it's here and all the locals are really in support of it. And it's really cool to see all the multi-generational people that go in there and have found the benefits of cannabis to like assist their life. So it's really cool to see how much it benefits the whole community.
0: You know, I have to agree with that 100% as uh, most of the towns around me do not have any type of provisioning centers yet and you know a lot of the towns are fighting them as they open up and there is one across the lake from me and uh it is funny to see it's almost like aha I told you so as you say to see the older folks the younger people you know everybody hitting that thing just like we knew they would you know what I mean And now it's like yeah now that it's your neighbors You know? Now what? Now what? You know what I mean? It's when there's not
1: the guilt anymore and they feel okay just walking in the store to buy it like they would their beer, tobacco, or anything else that they would buy, then they're okay with it. Before, it was like something illicit, so there was a guilt associated with it, and now that it's just like, oh, I can just go into a storefront and it's all well-branded and pretty and bright and lit, and it's not behind a dumpster, you know, they're like all for it, so... They're like, yeah, this this is okay now because it's in a nice storefront. It makes it and easy. It
0: brings in that revenue for the town, too, that a lot of these small towns could use. Well, uh, which is nice, absolutely- too.
1: Definitely with the money here, they were like, we were talking to city council and they're like, well, we can't afford this. And I was like, well, if you get money for every license, And everybody can stack licenses for cultivation. And there's already medical farms. Then they have to pay the adult use farms. Like that's all this money every year that could fix the roads and pay for these things that we need. And it was still kind of an unsure thing. But the local dispensary gathered signatures. And it was either it passed by like 51%. So if three people showed up and two said yes for cannabis, then the town passed it and we wrote the law or the city council had to write it. So all of a sudden they passed it real quick so they could write the law, but otherwise it would have been the law would have been written through the ballot initiative. So the dispensary gathered signatures and they had to decide, did they want to let the dispensary's signature group write the law or did the council want to write the law? So they passed adult use once they realized it was going to pass either way because the community wanted it. And so then they were able to write the law and create zones where it was okay and not okay and get the fees and they could, they could suit it to their needs because they saw it was something that was going to happen. So they were like, yeah, okay, we see now people really want it. Let's do it. And so then they just passed it. So it was really cool. It was just, they were scared that they were going to lose the boat. It's even though they used it themselves, it's. It's the fear of what the older people will think. But the once they saw the signatures, they were like, this is cool. We can bring it out. And so now we have it. And it's
2: really, it's it's generating money for the community.
0: For me, all of those people, uh, it, they're vets. They're vets. And you know what I mean? The township's going by the book, you know, oh, yeah, we don't want this cannabis. And, you know, all the vets around me are like, we're tired of freaking (laughs) drinking we want to smoke you know let us smoke exactly I, i think they really didn't take in you know the true consideration of the community there well it's
1: like those republicans sent a letter i saw somewhere today in the news to to joe biden was like uh you need to move on with decriminalizing cannabis and it's like when it's coming from both sides, it's like we're moving forward. Like it, the dominoes are already falling. It's, there's no going back at
2: this point. Like people want access to plants. I know, I
0: know I do. And I encourage everybody to grow. You know, I do every day. I. I I almost get on the soapbox way too much, but I do. I encourage people to grow. Anytime they you know talk about dispensary, the prices and everything, I'm like, you know it's way too easy to grow. <laughs> it's way too easy to grow.
1: Well, and that's that's something that I do through Reparation Seeds. Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I taught a class in Detroit and it was a germination class. And I partnered up with do, and they donated soil and prizes um hydro 45 up by in Williamsburg donated some stuff uh canna king or canna club here in Luzerne our local dispensary donated cannabis prizes I donated the seeds and then we taught the class and it was like here's your seeds here's your soil here's all the different things that you need and let's show you how to use it and I'd even like sprouted seeds and so everybody went home a grower like they took home a plant with them I was like well there, if we plant this today and you carry it home with you there's no like i'm gonna plant these seeds later like you're now a cannabis farmer welcome to this club anything you need just hit me up but like you, we started today you planted your first plant and it's like and i do it with feminized auto flowers so it's like you're going to get something you don't have to worry about the light and it's not going to be a boy so it's like it kind of takes out some of the shortfalls of things that can scare people off. Like I have to sex it, or how do I get the lighting right? Or what if a light leaks? It's like, just try this outside and just, just get the experience of growing it. It doesn't and from there. You can like delve deeper as you grow more plants, but like at least that first
2: one, you'll get something from it. It's so cool to like grow your own first plant. And so I like to give that opportunity to folks.
0: That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And just out of curiosity, and because I run the Dairy Do, or I'm running Dairy Do currently, uh, which one did they give you? Which one are they suggested as what to run? Because I've run the veggie and I've run the flour, you know, in a side by side. And I'm curious to know which one they supplied me.
1: Well, Okay. So Sue sent me a little bit of each. So I got the seed starter and right now I have clones. Um, I repacked my IHORT plug trays with the Dairy Dew seed starter after I soaked it in rainwater. And I, she said to clone direct into it. So I d- dipped it in the rooting hormone the, that's in all the rooting clones and then put it direct into those plugs and they're doing really good. They look healthy. They haven't wilted at all. And because that Dairy Dew holds such moisture and it's so fine in the seed starter... It's, it seems like it's gonna, they're going to clone into those plugs pretty good. Um, and then from there, it'll go into the veggie dew. That's what I have the uh, mother plants into is the veggie dew. So that way they have nutrients, um, but they don't grow. Uh, they're not, I don't want them to even think about flour. So I didn't want to have, so I use the veggie dew for that. And then, but for the autos, we gave everybody flour dew because the autos don't need any nitrogen really. And so you wanna just basically like put them in soil that's already like leaning towards flowering, um, at least in my experience. And then that way they tend to be a little bit shorter but their nodes are closer together. So you don't end up with those like larfed out autoflowers. Um, Cause I find if you feed them any nitrogen or any grown nutrients past the second week of them, they tend to get too stretchy and they don't, they don't set as well. So I normally plant my autos in, uh, like I'll run a cycle of photos and then I'll use that leftover soil in the five gallon and just plant auto straight into those pots they, and they do great. It's that like second use soil. It's like roots organic that's been ran once, or now it's dairy dew that's been ran once. Uh, I was originally using roots because or I would use royal gold if I was out
2: in California, but I always try to source locally, uh, and so I've been using dairy Dew for the last year.
0: For me, I like the, the price is definitely right and so far so good. I ran the veggie through uh, all the way through flower this last run and for the bigger plants it it seemed to fall a little bit short which is fine you know what I mean uh because this was my first like full trial run with it you know what I'm saying
1: did Uh, you did you feed other nutrients with it or did you just like put it in there nope
0: nope I just put it in there I wanted to see what she had the first run. basically I didn't want to start throwing shit on top of it I kind of wanted to see what it had in the tank first Oh, yeah, no. Uh, uh,
1: for my indoor, they get a, like, a light feed of Athena egg and a little bit of Power SI just to, like, because, like, for the indoor, like, when I'm doing, like, especially, like, for the nursery, I just want to be able to, like, micro feed and control wh- exactly what I'm feeding them when I see they need a little something, so I use those. Um, I don't use that outside, like, outside I have Hugo culture and living soil beds, but when I'm inside especially with in like making just making seeds um i like the athena because i can control the feed and just push it along when i need to and then the power si is amazing for the i just you can just see the difference when you use it i don't know how else it's i really like it for silica
0: i don't like i don't use it myself but i always enjoy the input of others and you know hearing their results. So we're moving through this way too quickly, way too quickly. So basically, we usually start right from the beginning, right from the beginning. When was your first time with cannabis, if you don't mind sharing? The first time I grew it. Grew it, smoked it, either or whichever came first.
2: Well, first,
1: <laughs> I, I smoked it first. Uh. It was at Family Values Tour for Corn and Rob Zombie when I was
2: 14. Uh, uh, Yeah, it was here in Michigan. I think that was in Pontiac or somewhere in Detroit. I can't remember the venue. But
1: Uh super skunky weed, and I didn't know what it was. But, like, as far as being, like, a skunk weed then, but I remember smoking it. And so, yeah. It, it wasn't until i was probably in my late teens like early 20s that i though that i really started to smoke cannabis regularly and it was i had really bad bad leg cramps and somebody had me try it and it relieved the pain and that kind of got me hooked that it helped my body um but i also enjoyed smoking it socially
0: So uh, what was uh what was uh, going around when you really took it on in your twenties? You was there certain flavors that uh, are 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 we still in the brickweed phase? It was a whole lot of brick, and
1: then you had to pay like you had to like find the like fish hippies or the Grateful Dead kids or like get go to a rave in Detroit and like smell it out and like you'd be so stoked to get something that was green. Oh my gosh. I just wish I'd have kept all those seeds. I used to have a massive jar. Because, well, you got more seeds than weed back when I bought weed. um, When I first started. So, uh, but I dumped them all in the ditch that flowed out into the second all bay. at high flood season and I was like, good luck, you're going to the marsh. Um, When I was in my teens, I was like, goodbye. And they all floated away. So, they... uh, I don't have some of those old seeds, but it's really interesting to see how much the cannabis genetics have transitioned, even from when I first moved to Humboldt County in the early 2000s to now. Um, to think that I'm actually like digging through uh, Blue Dream crosses right now. I, I, there was one time we got robbed and they stole like over hundred pounds and they picked up a 50 pack of blue dream and saw it was blue dream and set it back down and stole something else. Like they left it by the door because like they were in the middle of robbing us and we caught them. And then you could see that they'd realized it was blue dream. And they're like, we don't want this. Not even tweakers can sell blue dream. And it's like now blue dream people are like, because it's blueberry haze and everything else is basically like cam or triangle or perps or OG. So it's like, that blue dream is such a different side of cannabis of those older genetics that we had in the mid-2000s.
2: It's now I'm interested in digging through it again.
0: How big of a culture shock was it from going from Michigan to Humboldt, man? That'd be like entering a kidney in the candy store, I would think, as far as cannabis goes. I
1: didn't. I didn't even know that
0: Humboldt was like that. Like I had
1: saved forever this article from about Santa Cruz and wanted to go to Santa Cruz uh, for being the stoner school. And then I ended up in London for a couple of years studying fashion school. <clears throat> and when I had to move back, I just picked Humboldt off a map. It had an airport, it was in California. It was as far north as I could get because my best friend had moved back from Europe to Portland and so I wanted to be able to see her, um, but it was still in California, so I could get the California education system, and so I hitchhiked down from Portland in a car, rented a room off Craigslist, and I went, entered the house, and they're, like, harvesting weed, there's piles of it everywhere, there's jars and bongs, and there's, like, hippies, and they're just, like, I was, like, y'all rented me a room off Craigslist, and you are just, like, harvesting piles of weed, and, like, you're just letting a random person in your house like in Michigan it's like you never see more than like an ounce and so just to see like a desk with a giant mound of weed and I was like could I have some and she took like a measuring cup and she packed it full of buds and she dumped it on a plate and she's like this should get you started and I was like whoa this girl just gave me like almost all my rent back and cannabis like on a plate I was like on my first night and she said this should get me started I was like oh I think i'm gonna like it here and within a week i was like working at a grow and like taking care of plants uh the first thing i grew was pot of gold to tell you how long ago it was um so
2: <laughs> yeah
0: that's awesome that's awesome man what a great place to take on uh learning how to grow cannabis, other than from the masters and humble time. Yeah, it, I was
1: really blessed to have ended up in that place and like to just have picked that off a map and it was so well paired for my interests and my skill set of working with
2: plants that it was, just, it was just meant to be.
0: So how long uh, growing out there for others before you decided to uh, take it on yourself?
1: I think it was always, it's always kind of been a mixture of both. Like I do projects for myself and then I'll end up like managing projects for others. Uh, I do, I really enjoy uh, dialing in things for folks and organizing. And so at first I was just like working for other folks and then they would refer me to a friend and refer me to a friend. But I was always cleaning out their spaces. So then I would end up with extra equipment. And then I was like, oh, well, I should probably use this. And so then I started growing in my garage and I was like, okay. And I just like, I enjoy plants my whole life. I've always worked with plants. And so for me, I was more interested in having like a whole bunch of different kinds of plants to smoke versus like having a pound that matches. And so like, I've always in my personal, I've always just had more, I've been more interested in the genetics and exploring um, than like large production. But eventually I started running farms for other folks in Humble, and uh, it was really cool to be able to grow at scale, to be able to see like plants and be able to get them from like quite small to their 10, 12 feet tall and these huge bushes. And just like, There's nothing like Humboldt sun grown. There's, I mean, the weather here is terrible all year. It's terrible. Like for my plants, they're miserable. And so like they, it's a very intense selection process for me here in Michigan for the plants that actually make it to the end of the season and then produce, because it's like, we've been overcast, 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 rain, overcast. So it's like all this moisture. We're in Humboldt. Like once it's June, it's just hot and dry and sunny. Like, I was at 5,000 feet on the top of a mountain. So even when the fog rolled in, I was like on this little mountain cap above the fog. And so it was just beautiful. I could see Mount Shasta from the toilet. Like you couldn't beat it. (laughs) And so like in Michigan, it's a totally different challenge because the weather is so all over the place and you don't have that additional light. So you get a lot of growth during vegetation, but then like when you get to the end of the year when you want them to flower, you're dealing with a lot of rain and clouds. And so you don't, you don't get the production or the density or the, the yield outside that I'm used to from plants. Like last year, my plants were 12 feet tall and I got a couple ounces of like larva for them. And they just went and went and went. And I was like, okay, you've been frosted like 12 times. And they still, you know, like the ones that made it through all that, there's eight um, that made it through everything of last year. And those are my genetics that I bred with because they made it through the rain. They made it through the mold. They made it through all the stresses, the hot, the cold, the freezing, and they didn't harm. They had decent structure. They produced buds that my patients really enjoyed smoking. And so like, I'm just like at every step of the way, like 20% of the plants end up getting like, I don't, I leave 20% of the seeds that are kind of weak looking on the plate. When I sprout them, I don't take those forward. And then when I transplant them into the three inch pots and some of those got to go, they get fed to the ducks. And then when they get out into the garden and if I don't like, they don't side branch enough or they don't grow fast enough or the bugs really like to eat that one off to the ducks. And so I just keep putting them through all these challenges and stress and things to decide who actually makes it to the end where they get to make more. Because if, if it, if it's failing for me and I have the experience and I've worked these genetics in other environments and they were great then I know that <clears throat> I have to select the ones that are best performing for here because that memory will be in the seeds for the next round and so then I just work with that forward and so like those seeds from last year I have the S1s going outside this year and I'll pick the best ones of the S1s to go back against the original mother's. So I can then stabilize those seeds to move forward, but then also create new outcrosses to try to find more unique terpene combinations. Because realistically, THC and CBD are in everything a little bit or a lot. And yeah, you can get it by the bucket, but like it's the terpenes that are your experience. That's what makes smoking one plant to another plant. I don't care about 30% THC. I'd rather have 20% THC and like 12% tarps. Like that's going to take me somewhere. So like, it's the same with when I buy dabs. I want saucy. Like if it gets crumbly is okay. But like when it's super, super saucy in there, that's the tarps. That's your different experience. I have as much THC as I need. I can get THC all the time but it's the preservation of terps and concentrates ever since I had coronavirus in the fall that it's been teaching me to relearn my smell and taste. Like for the first five months, all I could smell was lavender. Shit smelled like lavender, lavender smelled like lavender, dirt smelled like lavender, everything, or it didn't smell. Like that Myrcene terp was the only thing I could smell. And so I've just been searching through the terpenes and through the really strong ones And if I can smell it or taste it in the concentrate, then I buy it until I can pull out that flavor and discern that individual, like the mango or the strawberry, to, like, teach my senses to learn smell back. But it's the Terps. That's the magic.
0: All that time with lavender, was you nice and calm? (laughs) Was you (laughs) nice and calm? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I guess so. It, I, it was because I used Dr. Bronner's lavender body wash and because the essential oil was so strong in that, that was the first terp it I learned back. And so once I realized that if I kept forcing intense concentrations of a certain terp onto myself, I was like, oh, I can learn it back. And so then like, I love Redbud. They always have this brand. They always have really good concentrates and their strawberry guava was insane. And guava and strawberry together, like, once that strawberry snapped from the strawberry guava, all of a sudden, I could taste it in my lemonade, I could smell it and taste it in an actual strawberry. It's like, once that memory like reconnected in my brain from wherever it had been like COVID cooked, like, then I had it back. And so it's like, if I can identify a terp in a strain that I already know, and be like okay it's like smoking GMO I'm like okay I get the garlic the mushroom and the onion so then I got like a garlic and a mushroom you know I'm like trying to like match it to other things because I've worked a lot with GMO so I know that smell profile it's like oh it's diesel is that really diesel and so it's like trying to walk a bud tender through smelling it for me and describing the turks if I can't smell it <laughs> I'm like could you tell me about this and they're like, oh boy. they're paying you by the hour you'll be okay like can you help walk me through this i was like smell this smell that and so it's like trying to find it if i can't smell it myself and then hoping if i keep smoking that concentrate that i can be like oh okay that's yeah that's that strain i can smell that and it's not like everything just smells like cookies it's like because it's that mirror scene heavy of all the dessert strains that we're currently like
2: everybody's on Bring back the gas.
0: I enjoy the gas myself. And I think you're absolutely about the Terps. Uh, I was just telling a gentleman about that the other day as far as, you know, being able to smell the jar. We were talking about which ones, you know, are right for you. I'm like, man, anytime you've got the choice, who knows that shit? Whatever one hits that thing, that's the one for you flat out that's the one for you and uh, I totally agree uh I've kind of even said that you know as far as like the THC content and shit because that's what they force down your throat when you go in there you know to buy I they need to almost if you're new to that provisioning center unless you sign like a waiver I think they need to make you like sit down and watch like a five minute video on like say terpenes how they affect you and stuff like that and then when you're looking through have all the test results you know it's lists this has this this has this and it could even go further just like you were trying to get out of out of the bud tender there oh I mean it's good for blah 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 just in case they didn't listen in the booth you know because they don't let you nose it anymore and the turps are such a valuable part I mean as we both stated man that's that's the magic ingredient.
1: Well, in, in it's it's crazy to think that, like, you can't be, like, to not be able to, like, those little containers, you can't smell through a plastic container where they pull the little thing back with the holes in it. It, it smells like plastic. <laughs> like, and, like, by the time they've opened it a dozen times for you, like, and all the other people, it's stale in there. So, it's, like, there's not the smell. So, like, everybody's buying like, when I watch all the people at the dispensary shop, they're just buying off of, like, a menu. They're literally looking at a piece of paper and, like, picking it out. There's not this, like, finesse of, like, old school where you could, like, in Oregon, they open every jar and, like, they're like, here, smell the jar and you can, like, stick your head in the bud. No, I don't think you should put the whole pound in a mason jar and open and close it and wave it around all day because that's going to go stale, too. Um, But just to be able to have access to be able to fresh interact where California, we had to package everything ahead of time. So everything was like two or three months old by the time it hit the store, because you had to get it tested, put it in a package, get that tested, get this tested, that tested, put it through distribution, distribution has to touch it. And then if it sits in distribution for a year, they throw it away. Like my friend worked for a company, put all our products in distribution And because the distribution company won't get back to her after a year, they're like, "Oh well, it's been with us for a year," and they threw all her stuff away, like ten thousand dollars worth of joints. She could have transferred it all to uh, a dispensary as a gift, and they could have given it away to all their patients. But because the distribution didn't care or bother, because she wasn't a huge client, they just let it go, and they're just like, "Oh, it's expired," and then they destroy it. So like each state has such weird laws about it. It's like here in Michigan, there's no child proof on anything. Like no exit bags. These dispensaries better get ready because it's going to all of a sudden hit all at once. But like there's here, it's like so laissez-faire. It's like the CBD can just be sold directly in the dispensaries and they sell it like bubblegum. Like it's not got to be through any tagging or anything. You just put it in a jar. So it's like each thing is a little bit, different the way people access it and then having it so that like people can't get it in every town makes it challenging for everybody to get educated because like a lot of these towns they're just trying to like keep up like they're so busy because they're the one dispensary that got permitted in that town that like they don't have time to educate like every time I go in the dispensary here since I went adult use there's five or six people in there constantly just like trying to buy trying to buy trying to buy because they're just so stoked to have access to anything so i think i think like some kind of an education thing that they could take home with them that they could grab that was some kind of a like we had in our the brand i work for in oregon when you opened up the pack of the cart it told you about the primary terps inside of it and it had a little graph that told you how much, and then you could like look it up and research it. It was something they could read at home. And we found like the, the it was, it, we got more education from doing it as a brand and putting it in our packaging, than as doing it as like, when I would do Bundtanger education and I would try to talk to all the people that were coming into the store, like sending something that they could be like stoned and looking at home and open up the package and be like, oh, whoa, this is cool. And then like share that information with their friends and it became like an interactive tool at home was a really powerful education tool for getting people to be able to understand Turks because then they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's always this Terp brain, these Terps that I like in my cart. So then I'm going to buy the carts that have these Turks. And then after a while, it got a lot easier for the people purchasing our products because we're all single source strain specific carts that we were selling they could be like, oh, these are the ones that we like. And so then they would like, instead of being like, I want a sativa or I want an inica, they would be like, I need a lot of pinene. I need a lot of myrcene. This is what really helps me. And so it like, it gave them the language. And that that's the biggest thing for folks is having the right language to be able to discuss what they're feeling and needing and to be able to express those needs and be able to communicate it easily with the bud tenders. Cause We've had to be in the shadows for so long that the language isn't, it's not quite all in everybody's common vocabulary yet. So it's like helping to educate and share it so that they can have access to the
2: knowledge so that they can better communicate and make wiser choices and find the medicine that they need. I remembered what that
0: thing was, that one thing I was forgetting pre game and that was the the pre show apology for me uh multitasking uh I know it would throw it, you know, I I try to apologize to everybody before shows it would throw me off. I was if you are on the if I were looking at you and you're all
2: hey
0: interacting with the people in your chat for the show i know i know but i still like to apologize for it because i think it's rude as hell Uh, but uh uh thank you for understanding by the way um so i just kind of want to relate back to the jar thing uh i miss those days i really do miss those days and you know it was i agree with you for one in several ways don't put the, the whole pound out there you're exactly right and good sales good sales dictates you don't put the jar out there because how many times back in the day we all had the mason jars right and we'd pick them up and um yeah 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 and as they were dumping it into the tray or you know and onto the scale there you would be like oh oh," just like a little kid you'd be like ah yeah, yeah and if that jar was getting light you'd be like ah just dump it in there I want the last of that shit you knew they were going to fill the jar up as soon as you walked out but good sales would say keep the jar you know (laughs) keep, keep the jar half empty and refill it refill it would be the you know don't give them the sample you know that was a great thing the sample i don't like the samples i want the jar i want that you know that feeling of Oh, that's the one. And you hand it to him. Like I said, it's almost like being served and you're like, Oh, give me the big piece. Give me the big piece. That was, that was one of the best parts of fucking going to the, the dispenser.
1: Well, and it's, it's following your nose. Like for me, it's like, especially pre COVID I could smell anything from across the room. You could throw packs on the ground. I can sniff them through the bag. Well, I can tell by the bud structure a lot of the time, but if I could sniff through the bag and be like, this is this and this and this and this. And like, you know, like having that sense of smell, you're like, there's certain ones that just you're just like, oh, and you can just feel that sense of relief just from getting the hit from the turkey bag or from the jar. And there was a dispensary in Long Beach when I used to live down there. And it was called the High Quiggle. And Mrs. Quiggle is like, She's one of the oldest active, like longtime activists in the cannabis community for medical cannabis in California. And she's like, I've sold so much weed. And she's like, I stand behind this counter every day. And she's like, she's like, I always know what one it is that people need because their nose does this like involuntary little twitch on the end of their nose. She's like, and it's not something you can do on your own. She's like, but when the nose does the twitch, she's like, that's the medicine you need. And so she's like, I just keep handing them jars till their nose twitch and you see their eyes light up. And she's like, that's the one, isn't it? She's like, cause I can see it from this side. And she's like, people, people's brains. It's like when you're hungry and you crave a certain thing, you, certain plants and certain cannabis strains, like are certain, they, it's just, they, you crave them at certain times or they're like, it's like, you need this at a certain time. So it's like, oh, okay. Like you know, normally I smoke Gushers at night, but like, I, I just moved a bunch of heavy stuff and I just need to like, feel my body relax a little bit. So like, I'm going to have Gushers for lunch or I like, you know, it's like, oh yep, I better hit this haze tonight. Cause it's past my bedtime and I got to talk on like a chat thing that I just downloaded on my computer. So here we go. So like, I'm going to smoke this haze and take a couple dabs of that. And then I'll just like work from there. You know, it's like choosing your experience through your terps is such an essential part of medicating properly with cannabis. So like, it's really hard for folks to like spend a lot of money at something at the dispensary and not know for sure it's going to work. Cause like how many times have you seen something called OG and there's no gas in that at all? Or like, you know, it's like, it says one thing on the package and you and I know when we get it home that it's not that, but like it's anybody's random seed version of like, it, it's a one a random pheno. It's not, it's not that it, it's like, oh, that's not the diesel. That's not diesel. I know what diesels should smell like. And so you buy it off a menu because you think it sounds good. And then you get it home and it's not the right thing because they mislabeled it or their cut was mislabeled or anything along the supply chain that it says one thing on the package because it's just a name. And you have no terpene test to know that you can't match it. So, how do you make sure you're buying the right medicine? And when you're buying it on a budget and you you need it for a certain use, it's really disconcerting when you can't make sure it's the right thing before you leave the store and then you can't return it like $40, $50 for an eighth. Like, that's a lot of money
2: when you work for eight, 10, 12, $15 an hour. That's a lot of hours after taxes. that's the
0: beauty of canvas right there <laughs> and why I love photos <laughs> I always have their place but you know that photo I mean once you go through and you know well there's a couple of things here I guess I gotta address. that nose in that jar is so important I mean just so important a because there's no standard basically like a marlboro like you're going to get one marble that's going to taste like in one state to the other basically it's going to be grown from different growers if the you know terpene levels may be higher or lower so same with thc yep. that that blue dream you bought one place may not be as high a quality as some other place and another one may work better for you and that one, you know, that's where your nose will kind of slide in there and be like, "Ah, it worked good the last place." Something's telling me not today. You know what I mean? Well,
1: in harvest dates too. Like that's the one thing that like I look at on every single package, and it's they don't put it on concentrates and stuff here, but like on flower and joints. Like I want to know when that was harvested. Are you trying to sell me some stale outdoor last year pre roll joint, like? when I first got here, the joints were, like, a year and a half old at the dispensaries. Like, it was stale. Like, if it's more than three or four months old, most likely, like, it's not been well preserved in even, like, it's the integrity of the flower. Like, so many of the joints I've gotten here in Michigan, like, they'll just be, like, in a cardboard box. Like, I'm, uh, I'm totally in like enemy of the brands that are in the MCMA that are trying to like destroy caregiver rights. They can fuck off and like flourish makes trash joints. And when I, I, before I knew what they were doing, I opened the box and all the joints were just stale the box. The branding is beautiful. I bought it with, cause all those cute little tigers on the outside, I know they're trying to steal my rights. I want to give them the money. I threw in the fire pit after that. But when I opened it, all the joints were in there and they're stale and harsh and there's not they're not sealed in plastic they're just in a cardboard box floating and then that's sitting in a light-filled room in a warm dispensary and god knows how long that sat and then the bud tenders don't take care of it because it's just in a box it's not like it's in an environmentally controlled room so every time they go in and out the temperature goes up and down that buds are and the joints are getting staler and staler and staler inside the box right so like the, the preservation of product from when it leaves the farm until it reaches the customers. Like you can do everything in your control at the farm to grow the most beautiful premier product. But if it's not properly sealed, when it leaves your facility and it has your name on it, and then it goes to a distribution company and they don't climate control it. And then it goes to a dispensary and they don't climate control it. And then somebody buys it and it's stale and they write you a nasty review it's like now your reputation is ruined because the people you sold it sold it to didn't control the product or treat it well or you didn't decide to seal it up in the first place so by the time your customers got it it was real stale and that's why it was stale. and so it's like it's real hard in the pre-roll game here it seems to find like well preserved pre-rolls, like I buy the ones from my dispensary that the lady there hand rolls herself from flowers that she sources. So they're always fresh. Because otherwise, most of the commercial ones, they're not well packaged to begin with. And so then it's stale inside the container. And When you're paying like 12, 15, 20 bucks for a joint at the store, and then it's stale, that's really frustrating. Or it's stemmy, or there's a hole in it, or all the different things. But like, if the company doesn't... The, I just wish the brands would take the effort to preserve the integrity of their product that they just spend like at least three months, four months on. So that way, when I purchase it, I can consume it. It tastes good. It's not like stale in the container at the store. Cause that's, that's really disappointing. And I've had that from some really, they're really conscious brands, but the packaging like is not. And I've had it from really unconscious brands where it's just, They just missed that one step and so it's stale and so that's i always look for all those little details when i'm purchasing and then i always try to like support farms that are local that are medically backed that are like they've been supporting patients and they still care about patients and they're not just like a corporate multi-state brand trying to make money off of people and like pull the money out of communities because so many of these dispensaries are taking especially the commercial ones are taking the money out of poor communities and they're not putting it back. They're just extracting resources, extracting resources, extracting resources, and taking advantage of the fact that, like, poor local people don't have the advantage or the privilege or the multi-generational wealth to be able to have a dispensary or to have access to cannabis. And so, like, every time we go into a dispensary, we're, like, voting with our dollar. And so I'm very uh, clear with the butt tenders when they try to sell me any of the MCMA brands that, like, those people are trying to take away everything we fought for and I can't put money into that. And so like where the brands come from and who they support is very important when we're shopping within the dispensaries and just educating folks about that.
2: That's, uh, yeah, I get passionate about that.
0: We should be, we all should be. I personally like to see, and again, it's, it's been a very long time since I've been in disco yeah well, grateful to be a caregiver to be able to produce my own medicine things happen sometimes you're out of town whatever you gotta stop in one but uh well i haven't the last time i was i stopped was at the beginning of the covid mess and he it, it would go it would, a couple things i didn't like about this experience i pulled in and because of the covid I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't uh, go in and they came out to the vehicle. They came out and they handed me, of course, uh the laminated menu with the crayon. Basically, you brought you go, I want one gram of this, two of these, and they took it back and brought it back. And I, I got two pre rolls that day and uh one ten dollar, one fifteen dollar and it same thing, man. I have never gotten a good one from a disco here in Michigan. Never once have I bought one left and smoked it and was like, damn, that was that was decent. That was decent. I've never had that experience. I've never had that experience, not once. But the other thing that rubbed me raw about that is, uh, again, my daughter's older, seventeen at, at this point and knows about cannabis. But the thing I didn't like about this experience is when they came back over, came back to the car, they wouldn't come back to my window. They come back to the the passenger side, and they made me deal over top my daughter's left, You know, pass it back and forth, and I thought eh, that's kind of shitty. You know, I didn't like that experience. But uh, then I pull out, and uh, you know, I try it, and I'm like, man, this is just complete garbage but what I would always thought would be cool. And I would do it. If I were a brand, I would try to do it because, uh, you know, your, your brand is your name. It's like you said, you know, you get a bad review on that and things start going downhill very quickly. I'd like to see some like, like Coors, like born on dating freshness date. You know what I mean? To where a representative for that brand come around, and checked the dispos and was like, "Hey, this shit's past date, man. I'm taking on just like you would with bread or anything else. I'm taking this shit back. You know what I mean? I'm taking all this bud back. I'm gonna make extract out of it or edibles or whatever. Here's that's, fresh flour.
1: Well, and that's kind of what California tried to set up into the system, but because everything is through a distro and farms don't have any ex- like once you transfer it out, you lose it uh, control of it, and so like." For me, like the best thing I can find is like, can you, there we go. See how there's all those little numbers on the bottom and all the information. It's like, you can see, it says that it was production date. It was produced in 10, 20, 20. And then this was like, then the next part, it says that the date was 12, 22, 20. So that must've been when it passes test as a product. And so then you can judge. And so I ask the bud tenders always to show me the harvest date. And if that shit isn't on a product then I don't buy it, like you're trying to scam me, like it's supposed to be on there. And so if your product is so sketchy that you can't even follow the rules and the laws to put the production date and the harvest date on your product, then I just don't buy it. So like I will make the bud tenders like, and not to be rude, just because I don't want to spend my money, my hard earned money on something that I'm going to be disappointed in. I just am like, do you mind? Could I see this one? Could I show that? And then I try to educate them and explain to them why I'm asking these questions. And they're always super grateful for me sharing knowledge with them. Cause I'm like, you know, like I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass. I'm not trying to be difficult. It's just the shit's really expensive and I don't want to spend money on it. If I don't know when it was, I don't want a joint in July of 2021 that was harvested in August or September of last year. Like, it probably wasn't well-maintained. Like if I could trust the integrity because I know the brand, then yes, maybe, but we aren't at that point with the joints yet. So I don't. Um, And that's why I've moved on to mostly just smoking concentrates at this point here um, because I found some really incredible brands that like preserve the flavors in the charts. And it's just like true to form. It's like, I don't have to worry about the bud being funny or stale or trying to judge it. Like at least the concentrates, it's all concentrated in there. You can see the test results. They normally have a few of the information on there. So there's more details and it doesn't go stale as fast. So I'm just like, I'm just going to go with that. And when you do the milligram count on what you're spending on, like how many milligrams you get in a gram of oil and how many milligrams you get in an eighth of flour, it's pretty similar if you're smoking an upper 20% flower. So I'm like 35, 40 bucks for an eighth or 45 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks for a gram of oil. And I feel like smoking the concentrate that gram of oil, if I just like nectar collector, it lasts a lot longer than if I smoke all that flower in one joint, because I like to put three grams in a joint. So it's like smoke the whole thing. So like an eighth of flower, I'm used to flower in a turkey bag. What's an eighth? Like I'm gonna buy eight for 50 bucks at the store. That's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I was down in Bay City though, in this one store, I think their brand is like Phoenix and they have them, um, they're 25 each or I got five for a hundred. And like my best friend was in town from out of state and she wanted flower and she's very particular. So I just bought five different sativas and was like, here, you open them up and smell them at home. Cause you can't smell them in the store and i'll smoke whatever ones you don't like but that way she could select which one she actually wanted for flour for her and for five eights for a hundred bucks of nice indoor flour like yeah it's a hundred bucks it's like dinner or the bar or anything else that folks would spend money on so that was worth it but like i didn't want to go buy two sixty dollar eights and then her be like yeah i don't really like either of these and you're like oh my god i spent so much on these (laughs) you know so it's like I try to find places that have good quality product. Uh, I drive up to Frederick a lot to uh, Humblebee Provisioning Center. This is Humblebee's. And their branding is so pretty. And they have all these live resins and batters. Like this one was Old Family Perps. So it's CSI Humble, uh, Old Family Perps. And it's just great. It's super Indica dominant at night. And again, it's the batter. So it's like, super saucy and creamy so it's like really high tarps for me which i like uh and they also do live resin carts in g pens and they're half gram each but you get five of them for a 100 bucks i really like this like give me five for 100 thing um but because they're in the g pen they and they're in those little like it's like those little pot things they last a really long time and it's just like smoking in the concentrate in here so there i get two and a half grams for a 100 bucks and when I buy the dabs, I get two grams for a hundred bucks. So it's pretty similar in price, but it gives me a portable mobile way to have a few different strains on me. So I'll have like a green crack or I'll have like a Chem 91 and I can control my Terp because it's, again, I always have THC in my system. I just need different Terps for my day. So I'm like, I can control my Terp dosage through these different live resin carts from Humblebee that I keep in the G pens. And so I put different stickers on the pen so I can identify like, The zebra is the indica and the giraffe is the sativa. And like that way I know which pen I want to vape because they all look the same. But they like even provide you with the free battery at the dispensary when you buy the five. So it makes it it's finding those accessible price points and high quality. That's something because they're vertically integrated and the dispensary is manufacturing, harvesting, producing and selling it. They can make it at a price point that people can actually access and so those are the dispensaries that i like really appreciate is because they're not trying to gouge you they're like passing on the savings to their patients and so i try to put my money there
0: gotta love frederick is it me is it just me since you've been there do you not get that feeling when you come over that hill like you're, like, in a Joe Dirt, that scene in Joe Dirt where you, like, they're showing Silvertown. Frederick looks like Silvertown as you're coming north and getting off. And you can see just, like, that kind of little picturesque section of town there. And it kind of looks like Silvertown and Joe Dirt there when you come over there.
1: Definitely, like, a little old-timey town. But, like, ever since the pandemic, like, everything up here, like, there's, like, bidding wars like Portland here. Like people are paying double the asking price. Houses are lasting for two to three days. Like it's crazy. Like the market up here, like every business is, all the downtowns are being revitalized. There's so much investment. Like there's not even rentals available really. Like so many people came into Northern Michigan. Once we got able to work remote and be further away, it's like myself, I didn't live here before. And now I've been up here a year and a half and I'm living in what was my grandparents' cabin where they used to live. But like most of the, my neighbors used to not be neighbors that were full time. And now almost everybody's full time. Cause so many people came North, like where R- West branch like now feels like more like how Saginaw felt. Like you're just like, it just keeps moving North. It's not like up North is over the bridge at this point. Like, you know, it's, they're not so much the woods anymore. It's like, I can hear a lawnmower at all times of the day, every day of the week from somewhere. Like some old man got to go cut something ass down with another fucking and then the next guy's like, but it's like where before you just like heard silence and you were in the woods. It's like, now there's somebody somewhere everywhere on every parcel and property. And so like, there's this resurgence like the downtowns are full like small businesses are taking off it's this it's, it's this interesting revitalization of people coming up north and up north not being like rural anymore and so like it's it's definitely changed up north and what it's like to be up here um and but it's still very uh very south of the north up here. Uh there's like I'm surrounded by crazy racists. Like they hang Confederate flags on either side of the post office, and the poor interracial kids live in the house behind them. Like it's uh yeah, it's it's very unique after being uh in Portland where everybody's so progressive. Like, I mean, it can be like overly progressive to the point where like everybody's triggered by everything, and then that doesn't really get people anywhere either but it's definitely like it's been uh interesting living uh this far north in michigan because like the antiquated um backwoods views are still very 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 strong up here like it's it's I just have to have really firm boundaries with like my neighbors and everything else. I'm like, that's not acceptable. We're not talking about that. You cannot talk like that. And if you are like, go back on your side of the fence. Like, I don't want to argue or talk about politics, like all the old white men suck, but like, I will take somebody that gives me some human rights over no human rights. And so it's like, having these conversations with folks up here, it's like, it's been really challenging because like, I'm like, let's just talk about like plants and animals and stuff and like, just be like, treat each other with humanity and respect. And uh, it's been really, uh, it's been it's been interesting living uh, this far North in the woods, but it seems like cannabis is like a really good unifier that we can all agree it's awesome. And then we can try to find some common ground and then we can not talk about politics and we can talk about plants and then we can talk, try to like be humane and compassionate and see each other's perspective. And so I really like having cannabis as a unifier because like people that would have never interacted before we're all interacting now because we run into each other at the dispensary. And so it's, again, cannabis is bringing people together even when they're extremely far apart. So it's, it's, I'm really grateful for it in that effect because being, always having plants and cannabis and knowledge, like I can share with people and then you can kind of break through that wall and you can find a humanities and a connection in people with each other and try to find where we're similar versus where we're different. And so then we can agree on that. And so it makes it a little bit easier to try to connect with people because like we all like weed. It seems like, it's crazy the people up here that like, you'd never expect them They're like, oh yeah, weed. Yeah, okay, now we can be friends. <laughs> I was like, awesome, perfect. That's something we can connect on. So it's just like finding those things with people and connecting uh, versus focusing on the differences. But it's, it's definitely been an eye-opening experience coming back to Michigan after being on the West Coast for the last 15 years.
0: Yeah, it sounds like we're pretty close and locale there, to be honest with you Uh it's funny because like you said though, uh you do see them people at the fucking dispensaries and shit. You're like, uh-huh, alright? Yeah, no we're not yeah, yeah, you're alright? Yeah, we have something in common, that's cool. Uh fucking uh Fredrick, I gotta give Frederick some props, man. I, again. I think that I think that town was cool as shit because as a few years ago you know just prior to the covid thing uh probably so about three years ago now, uh they went through and like cleaned up all the dispensaries up here they just like wiped the map out of like northern michigan from like say west branch up they just went Whoa! and what sucked is as a caregiver we were still able to do overages at that time and um so I had went through I had just moved up here five years ago and I was like you know I'm trying to establish my my brand a little bit and I had just dropped off a bunch of samples and uh card and the next day they wiped out all the dispensaries feds wiped out you know I was so nervous I was like oh shit! I was in all those places just the other day damn it damn it but just after that Frederick was the only town up here that was like and maybe that's why it reminded me of the Joe dirt thing the way it you know sparkles because that's the way it was man Frederick was that town was like we don't give two shits you want cannabis? We want everything in cannabis in Michigan. Bring us your business. You want to grow weed? Come to Frederick. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't give two shits. And they were the first one up here to, you know, I was like, hell yeah, Frederick, you're all right, guys. Well, and it's,
1: it's still very, like, very few towns up here have it. It's like Frederick, I'm in Luzerne. Then there's like uh, uh, over in Williamsburg and Traverse City. And then, like, over in Manistee, Manistee has, like, eight uh, or seven dispensaries all in a little strip. Like, but it's, like, e- the towns seem to either be, like, as many licenses or as many people as possible or nobody. And so, like, they're, like, forcing market competition by packing them all in there because then you're, like, there's no way you can support them all. Like, you have to pick the one that services your needs and, like, does the best job of purchasing. And so, like, some towns if there's only one dispensary like they cannot be as good at their buying as a town that has eight people or eight six or eight dispensaries because if you have competition you have to get the best prices you have to offer it at the price prices and you can't like sell people stuff that like when they get it home it's not that good because they bought it off a menu too bad because they can go somewhere else so i like when the towns put multiple dispensaries in a town because it forces competition And it, like, makes the dispensaries get on their game. So, like, I think that's why the flower in Bay City was, like, five-eighths for 100 bucks Because I could go to, like, 10 dispensaries in Bay City, like, within two, three miles. And so, like, they have to be competitive versus, like, well, we're the only Walmart here. So this is what it is. $90 grams of oil and $50 eights. You know, so it's, like, it forces i like competition in the marketplace like i like when towns allow multiple dispensaries because it allows competition and and that allows consumer choice and that's what the consumers deserve like they shouldn't be forced to just buy Wana gummies again trying to destroy caregiver rights and wanna makes you purchase like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gummies so like even the dispensaries that want to get rid of wana, they've already invested thousands and thousands of dollars into because you have to buy like a case of every flavor and have it all in your store to be able to even carry it so like you're just stuck with all this product and it takes forever to sell and it's overpriced so it's like you're just kind of like trapped in this deal and now you have this product and like for me like seeing what people pay for edibles in the dispensaries when i know how much it costs which is basically nothing for CBD at this point, like it's under a buck a gram in isolate. So like a thousand milligrams is like on a dollar. And so like when the dispensaries are selling a thousand milligrams of CBD isolate for 30 bucks, like that's extortion. It's just the same with like the THC. It's like it shouldn't cost like for a distillate cart. It's distillate. That means you took trash and turned it into magic. And then you added some fake terps to it. So like, that's how you can get the same terps in every state. You say you can't get the experience. You get yourself a two, like a vape cart in any state with a like plant-based terps in it. They put two or three terps. You get OG, Blue Dream. Like they have all the generics, but it doesn't have that depth of experience because it's only two or three terps. But that's the artificial terps in the distillate is about the only way that you get consistent but it's not a good product. It's like, it's basically just like amped up THC with a little bit of fake flavor on top. And so like a lot of people, I always try to educate them away from the distillate carts because they're not getting a full spectrum experience. And I think the
2: full spectrum plant products are way better for folks to really have a deep medicinal experience than just distillate with flavor on top. I completely agree there. I completely agree with that,
0: 100. Uh, percent So let's double back a little bit. Uh, Rube, sure, let's, let's, let's double back. <laughs> so uh, when exactly did uh, did the breeding uh, become a, a passion? When did you start wanting to do that? When and why?
1: I. I've been into genetics my whole life, uh, but like I really got into cannabis genetics living in Humboldt County, uh, and so I was always just kind of collecting seeds and making little projects on the side with different things that I would come across or that I wanted to preserve, and then as I got more and more into it and was realized it was really the terps that were the unique thing. That's when I really got interested in, uh, starting to like work lines and work into genetics that like really met my personal needs and that I found that my patients really benefited from. And so that was years ago, but like the last two years have been like heavily focused on seed production, uh, to, for more focus on biomass uh, than, as, than uh, focus on just buds. Uh, that's why I got into the auto flowers. Cause like when you're working on a square footage, uh, breeding the autos and just packing them in there and then extracting it all into a full spectrum oil, you get all the terps in there, you get the THC. It doesn't matter what the bud is shaped like. You just want it to produce a lot and produce a high quality product. Uh, And so it's a nice early, instead of pulling covers on the first round depth, you can do that and then fill it with photo full suns in your same square footage. Uh, So I was working on autos for that, for an uh, extraction company out in Oregon. Uh, And they were now working on um, doing it for South America. So I've been breeding autos for projects down there. And then I have another friend that just got a couple hundred greenhouses with the government in Thailand. And so I've been working on genetics for them as well. And so just like in each, each area and like I have to look at like the climate and consider like the environment of where the plants are going. And so to think about uh, which direction I wanna take them because different environments, like if it's super high elevation versus low and hot and humid, It's like, do I have changing weather? Do I have extreme cold? And so I've been now focusing, like my big thing is the the ability to hold up to mold and moisture and like to be able to freeze and then be a hundred degrees the next day and then drop down to 40 degrees and go all through that without stressing and slowing down the growth of the plant. And so a lot of my focus now is just working plants in a few different or a few different lines and directions that I want them to be able to go out and hit the ground and start growing and like go from a small plant to a large plant and like not need too much training to start side branching. Like some of the strains that I'm running this year, the different seeds that I bought to like work with into my projects they're I'm not getting a lot of side branching. So those are going to be like tight row crop strains but they're showing flower early. They've got good smell. They've got good structure. So then those ones, and then I'll make notes in there in that way. Those ones are going to be ones that you're going to put them in and you're going to pull them out. Like they're not, you're, you're not trying to grow them big. So that that's a focus on structure and short fast crops for turn production. And then these ones, they're going to veg longer so I need to focus on the ones with more narrow leaves because they need to be able to have more airflow to hold the moisture because they're gonna they're gonna be around a little bit longer. And then so selecting for those traits. And so I just work different lines and I have like, I don't know where I have it right now, but I have this giant piece of poster board and I have all the strains like that I have on my mother's, and then I have all the strains that I've planted this year, and then I broke them down and I'm like where is their, what is their primary ancestry? I'm like, is it a Northern Lights plant? Is it like a chemo G plant? Oh, does it have East Coast sour diesel in it? Is it got perps in it? And so I'm looking at like the history of this plant and then like what kind of structure I want to add into it from, by bringing in another thing. And that's why I like selected the blue Dream because it's the blue or it's the blueberry crossed with the hazes. And so I have that crossed with a um, heirloom Afghani from out in Humboldt. And so then I'm going to take that and I, re- I just sprayed that with reversal with Hybritech, um to feminize it. And then I'll cross that about against some of these a uh, little bit wider leaves, but they've still got that like nice node structure. And I planted everything June 1st this year because I just wanted small bushes to make seeds. And so I wanted to see what they would do in that short time to get that turnaround because I need them to produce fast. Like I don't want strains that are gonna be like, do, 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 do. Like if you're taking too long, you're not gonna make it to the cart and eventually everything's gonna be an extract. So it needs to be able to get that production. And so then I'm, I'm just selecting for that. And so it's just this constant, like I'm always thinking about and I'm always looking at the way the plant performs and the way it handles stress. And then thinking about which plants I can put together to create an even more optimum plant. Like this one has almost everything, but it needs a little bit more of this. And this plant has it. So if I put these together and then I look through their offspring, how do I get to the, that next
2: level of the interaction of the genetics between the two strains?
0: I appreciate the fact that uh, you're uh, choosing your phenols from outdoor strains. Uh, I think that's a very key to, uh, genetics as we move forward. I'm uh, very on the record of saying that I think that indoor breeding is going to weaken cannabis in general, uh, because we're, we're giving it along for indoor conditions, you know? Further and further down the line, as we breed in, breed in, as we breed it for indoors, we're not necessarily having it ready to be outdoors, and where I think we're really limiting the phenol selection. You know what I mean? Uh, well, we're only bringing out what it's capable of indoors. We're kind of watering it down every time, aren't we?
1: Well, I I, I like last year when i started all my plants i started flats and flats and flats and flats of plants indoors and i started them as little seeds and then i transplanted them to three inches and then i transplanted them to one gallons and like as they went through all those stages they have that kind of delicate environment but then they went outside and went into that like michigan northern michigan environment it snows every month up here pretty much or freezes like it was 44 degrees the other day it it freezing rain snowed at the end of June. So it's like the plants go through all these stresses. So I, what I just keep honing them down, honing them down. And then the final ones are the ones that go into the hugel beds. And then once they're in the hugel beds, then I watch them as when they start to flower, when, how well they handle all the environment. And then it's like, if they don't finish by like the end of August, first week of September, how many frosts can they handle before the bud structure just goes to shit? Because the frosts are good because it ramps up terps. So for extract, like it's good, um, but it's like we can't also can't have something that's too tropical and then it just wilts. So if they fried, well, those the clones of that one go to the duck. And so like I had clone, I ha, I take a clone of everybody that's outside as a preservation and keep them in the nursery, and then as they fail tests through when they're in veg and into flower then i just chuck the clones to the ducks and then at the end of the season i've got a dozen clones or a dozen plants and those are the best 12 of the year and everybody else just didn't make it that far and then i bring those in and i run them indoors and i put them through all my stresses i bake them I get them up to 100. I run them, get them down to 26 degrees. I leave the windows open to the freezing snow. I put them through every hell. And I'm like, I need to see if indoors, if I, after I brought them, their clones from outdoors, bring them indoors, flower them indoors, run them through all the stresses there. Because what if they, what if they herb? Like, I don't want that in my genetics. So what if they don't look, they They were all right outdoors, but they're not that exciting indoors. They have problems. So it's like, then they come through this another whole round. And then I, and then it's down to eight. So those eight are now, okay. They went through that. They, they performed outside. I saw what they went, harvested, trimmed, what they look like in a turkey bag, what they look like in a jar, how they aged. Then early January, February, how they harvested from an indoor. And then from there, I make the decision on how i'm going to breed the seeds for the next season so like i have those original mothers from last year that were my best of everything that i experienced that i made all my feminized seeds which i released this spring uh they are on a farm that's running over three thousand of my plants right now uh and they're running them all for biomass so i will get to see what they how they terp up i'll get to see how they extract and get to see all that information from that whole breeding project because they, they got everything for the season pretty much besides some small like collections that I released to a few people. Um, and so like, it's really cool to get to see how they test and move forward in that. And then I have the S1s of those plants and I have some of the crosses of those plants that I kept myself that I'm running. Plus I added in new stuff um from like regenerative seed coast Dutch Blooms um I'm running his um Hollywood Pure Kush crossed with licorice lime i've got that i've got uh Fictionado estates with dos rios um his rainbird going um and then i have uh emerald mountain legacies the 47 which was the last clone of royal cush that brought made before he passed uh, and it's the earliest finishing Royal Kush, and so I'm running that, um, and so from those, I'm trying to find the best female, that's just, I have some Erd Perk going, I have Blue Explosion from Dirt Farmer, um, and then I have Urban Farmed, it's, uh, what, what is it, oh, it's XJ13, crossed with Black Line Reserve, I'm really excited about that one, that one's going to be fire, because that XJ, I pulled I pulled a hundred pounds and a thousand square foot off of XJ. So like it can crush. And so like I want that structure crossed into the black lime reserve. So I'm excited to get a fast, like Jackie Limey one to pick from that. And so out of each of those batches, I pop the whole pack and maybe one, maybe one will go through, come out of it if it shows something special. And that'll get to me. I Iris. I just reversed the blue dream cost with the land race Afghani, which I call Dragon's Dream, And then I reversed the space fuel, which is Katsu and Romulan genetics. It's the East coast sour diesel crossed with Romulan, but it's like a uh, 11 week sour diesel, but like super structure, beautiful structure, super. It's just a really beautiful plant, but it has perfect inner node spacing. it's got really nice stretch to it but not too much the bud sighting, not too many leaves it's i can't wait to see what adding that to some of these really fast finishing like little not too much side branching stocky production strains uh will bring out for next year but i put her through so many tests and she did so well so she gets to be uh uh baby daddy's this year for the summer run and then what was the other one that I reversed? Oh, T one thousand. So uh, the Trump one thousand caught from CSI Humboldt uh, Triangle Kush crossed with uh, Purple Urkel is the T one thousand, and so I reversed that one too because that one's like fifty days. Got those cookie golf ball nuggets, like super scene rich, just like leaves you in your couch. It's like the it's real similar to the old family perps that I had from Humblebee. But I'm dabbing, that's why I bought it, Um, because I like that high. But the T-1000, I like because it's fast finishing, it's really mold resistant, it's got that, like, great turf profile and colors from the urkel and the structure from the triangle. So, taking that forward and making a line of even faster finishing, short, squatty plants with just nice, chunky, turpy nugs, that'll be one line. So, that's why I have the Blue Dream. And then I have the, which is my eight and a half to nine weeks, went through everything from last year. I have the space fuel, which went through everything, but it's longer finishing. And then I have the super quick finishing T-1000. So those are, I had to, I had to like look at everybody who they came from and what was going to create the most unique crosses, but out of which three mothers I selected across with everything new to hopefully find something more unique going forward because I'm always and so over dessert strains like they're great but I I just want to find new combinations and experiences and highs and flavors so I'm always trying to cross things together that put diversity
2: into the genetics as well as a little bit of CBD to just enrich the experience
0: So, what uh, strains do you have available that will stand up to uh, the Michigan climate here? The ones that I've seen
1: that I'm seeing do really well right now, uh, are any of the ones that are crossed with uh, the, the Puna and the Tardis, and um, Puna is Puna Butter crossed with Girl Scout Cookies, and then that that was um, from kaigu Coastal Seed Co., um, and then that was crossed with um, Harley Sue Dog by BioVortex and Humble Seed Company. Uh, and so you get that like Harlequin in there with it. Um, but you've got the Hawaiian terps uh, from the Puna. And then you got the cookie structure in there. And so I've been focusing on the early photo period. So a lot of the Punas, uh, they start flowering and finish like a month earlier than they're. They're early photo periods. So, like as soon as the days start to shorten after the solstice, it triggers them. So instead of waiting until the middle of August to get going and then they're not done to the middle of October because the weather and climate here is kind of rough, these tend to they they veg along, veg along. You can keep mothers of them, you can keep them running along. But as soon as you shorten the daytime or like naturally the environment shortens the daytime, it triggers them to fall out. So like out of the S1s of the Puna that I've got running right now, there's like probably like 15 to 20% that are already like full on flowering right now. And those are the super early photo periods. So I have clones of those, I'm taking clones of those, putting those away, I'll push them back into veg, but then I'll use that to breed, to focus on, I have a cut that I call Aloha of Puna. And she's like, she flowers super early too. So then I'll reverse her, cross her against the earliest ones that showed now. And then hopefully that should stabilize where that they veg normally along and then start flowering around the first week of July. So that way, my goal is like, I hate pulling that cover. I hate pulling that cover. I'm so over it. Like I'd rather breed, be able to be playing around uh, a batch of autos. That's part of the farm harvest plant the early photo periods they harvest at a certain time you're done and then plant some that harvest at a certain time so like instead of you having to control the light you select genetics that perform under the light how you want them to so like for people here in michigan if they're if they're having a hard time growing and they're a more novice person or like they're just trying to get a better quality product you want to be done by the first week of september second week of september before the environment gets too harsh so these early photo periods allow folks to do that uh it's the same with the tardis like she came out absolutely beautiful and it's uh it's a mixture of like uh oregon diesel which is like uh it's again when it's a light sensitive photo period so it's an early photo period it's got some time wreck in it uh, what else does it have in there? It's got a lot of like Cindy ninety nine, Apollo, Dream Queen. It's got Jack into it too, and so the but it, the the Tardis produces CBC and CBG in it as well. So it's it's got these even more full spectrum, and it's it's the one that has the most diverse uh genetic background out of all my plants. Uh, But it's it's a really nice, stable producer. It's, again, it starts a little earlier, but this one, it's going to push into September a little bit, but it can handle up to everything. It's got nice internode spacing. It's got nice structure. And the S1s on that are really consistent. And they're nice. There's a lot of side branching. They're nice and bushy. I put them, I planted, I soaked the seeds June 1st. And then June 10th, they were literally like a seed and a cotyledon sprout. And now they're all like good-sized bushes. And I just, last year, I spent all the time starting them so early and putting them through all the early vegging and trying to keep them inside and dealing with all that. And so this year, I was like, I'm just going to start them in June. Next year, I'll start on May 1st instead of June 1st. So then I can get them so they're a little bit bigger when I put them outside. So they're more of a bush to start with so that the cover crop doesn't overgrow them. Um, But they putting them through this, like starting them later like this is really allowed me to see which ones have that quick rush to like, they want to get done or in how they're responding to the environment. Cause like Michigan's been so rainy lately. And then the last couple of days we had sunshine, but there was so much smoke from Klamath burning that like, we had that weird haze up here where everything was orange and overcast with the smoke haze for multiple days. So it's like, they just haven't had that same strong sun. But the ones that are like experiencing all that and they're still taking off and doing really good, like those are the ones that are in the contenders for being stars to move forward into the breeding program. Because it's like if they can perform and survive in this Michigan climate with all this weather and moisture, even though they're more indica dominant quick finishing strains, that's a really good sign and that's why I used, um, the seeds, I got, some. I signed up for, I uh, the, it's like, it's like a farm share CSA through Dutch blooms regenerative seed co because he's so far up there and he's right on the coast that all his plants like to make his breeding project also has to go through all that mold and rain and harsh environment. And so that's, that's why I'm using some of his genetics in my breeding project, because he's already selected and put those plants through so much that, again, the ones that make it into his program can handle all that really harsh environment. So that's, that's good genetic information to, sh- to include
2: into my genetics as moving forward for new plants.
0: Sorry about that. Let's get caught on the, on the mic button there. It it's a little sticky there. That's okay. So where can they uh, grab some of your genetics? I don't think we've uh, threw that can, out there yet.
1: You can just shoot me an uh, email at reparationsseeds@protonmail at protonmail. Um, the, we're not supposed to do the sales through Instagram. So if people are interested in it, they can like always just give me a follow on Instagram. And if they're interested in seeds, they can just ask me to send over a menu and I can send over what I have. Uh, Right now, I'm pretty much out of all my early photo periods. That farm picked up everything. Um, And now I have a well being installed. So I'm going to have a full running water because right now I'm on like a really old well that like runs at a trickle. So I'm super excited to be uh, getting heavy running water uh, because it's... I have an underground river underneath my house, but my well is so old that the head is uh, calcified. So it comes in really slow. So I've been waiting. I've got everything permitted and approved. It's just waiting for the new well to drop. Uh, and then I'll be expanding and putting in more Hugo beds for their back
2: uh, out of a bunch of trees and logs I cleared for next year's projects. What did you throw outdoors this year? Hmm?
0: What was your selection to throw out there this year?
1: Uh, this year it was it was the ones that I was talking about earlier, the um, the Hollywood Pier Kush crossed with the Licorice Rhyme, the Blue Sky Explosion, which is uh, a Tardis cross from Dirt Farmer Genetics, uh, just the the forty seven. I think I went with like ten new strains or something, and then I have some. Uh, it's Limetta Marmalade. And something else, I can't remember what it is right now. It's late at night, but it's uh, from Guardians of the Lost Terps. Uh, he does a lot of really awesome crosses. And uh, he did my first drop of all my um, Turbarchal uh, land race crosses. There's CBD. Uh, he collected the genetics from Siberia and their CBD land races. And they're like, they're only five, six feet tall. And then so I crossed those. With uh, the Puna, and I also crossed it with like Microdot from Morningstar Seed Co. He grows some awesome giant autos that have great purple genetics. And so I took those and made a whole bunch of different crosses that are one or two or three generations in of crossing to the land race and then crossing out to more production strains of autos. Uh, and so I do have, uh, if people are interested, I did over the winter. We were planning on planting an acre of autos, so I have a lot of seeds for autos. But they, I did them all in an open pollination. So there's males from um, Heart Rock Mountains, uh, line claws in there. Uh, I have some. What else? There's Morning Star Seed Co. Um, there's a couple of males from them, or females that I reversed to be the males. Um, I have some essential genetics in there, um, some canary OG, uh, and I just did a bunch of different crosses. So I know for sure who the mother is, but there was eight different, uh, what I did was I popped a hundred autos and then I saw how they came for structure, for smell, for everything. And I narrowed it down to the eight best. And I used, again, I I always use hypertech, uh, for my reversal spray. And I sprayed them with the hybrid tip, and then I popped um, a lot. Let's a lot, uh, <laughs> and selected um, the best seventy uh, females uh, to be pollinated, and they were pollinated with the uh, eight reversal males, and so that gave me. Uh, that's where I have for seeds for, but they're all feminized auto. But it's a lot of uh, Mephisto genetics in there, Morningstar genetics. Uh, I did one whole batch of crosses that I I used that are non-feminized, and they're all Anvil crosses from full duplex Dan, um, so Mandalorian genetics. Uh, so I have a bunch of I crossed the Anvil. I used the Anvil male and I crossed it against a whole bunch of different stuff that were all different crosses that I was working. And then I took those crosses and I crossed those against the open pollination. And so like with autos, you're always, all you're doing is selecting the best and moving forward because you can't really preserve parental genetics. I found when I spray, if I spray the reversal right and I leave a branch or two that I don't get real soaked in the silver and the reversal spray, then those ones will still flower up. And then you can make an S1 of the parent that you reversed. So like I have S1s of the father or the ones that I used as father stock for the pollen donation in the feminized batch as S1s of themselves. So that's how I, that's how I'm starting to preserve which ones I'm using. So I can kind of still work. It's like, okay, well, if that one worked really good for a pollen donor, let's take the S ones from that and pop them and pick one of those to be the pollen donor for the next round. And so like, then you can kind of be like, well, that really was a, you know, a den wrecker because that was three grapes, three bears, OG and double grape crossed with anvil. And then it crossed with itself. So I know it's just those three strains. So at least when I pick a seed from that, then I can try to find a similar father than to cross against its offspring that it made forward. If I see some traits that I'm trying to stabilize, or something that I'm focusing on for terps or structure. And so it's just like picking and moving forward, picking and moving forward. So I have so many auto seeds. So if people are interested in getting started and they haven't grown before and they want to give it a try, like I'll, I, I will give anybody seeds to try. Like I want people to grow. And that's why I started reparation seeds is for all the seeds that people buy from me commercially, um, I use, I try to give back um, to match it. And it's not always just seeds. Like if I taught a class and one of the folks in the class wanted to get their medical card. So I covered the cost of their medical card because they should have the right to patient medicine. That's the whole point of this. And so like I taught a class in Detroit um, for queer non-binary people of color. And we sponsored, and that's what Dairy Do sponsored, and that's what I sponsored. And so this is, this is how I'm, that's why I'm reparation seeds. I'm trying to give back the social equity that I've had the privilege to acquire being in a white male body um, to people that have been systematically kept out of the system because of their skin color, or if they're female, or if they're anybody that's not a white male that hasn't had the privilege or the access or the intergenerational wealth to get to the things that we had easier chances of having access to. And so it's just, how can I give back? And that's why I started Reparation Seed Coast, because I wanna be able to give back because I have benefited so much from this industry, but being a queer person within the industry, I've struggled so hard to have access that if I wouldn't have been in a male body, in a white male body, I wouldn't even have the access that I have. Um, And I got it from lesbians who had it from intergenerational white privilege wealth. So like, I still got it from my privilege. And so it's like, how can I give it back? So I teach these classes and I provide everything. Like if you are learning about it and you're new to it and you're interested in it and you haven't had access to it, like you shouldn't, I don't want you to have to think about like buying the seeds. Like I'm not here to sell you anything. Like I'm coming to this event to provide you free information and free things. Like I'm i don't want to extract wealth from your community, I just want to share and give back. And so that's my focus with reparation seeds is how can I share? How can I give back? And so that's what I've been doing. And so like, if people don't have access to cannabis seeds, and it's financial issues are like keeping you from having access to your own medicine, like shoot me an email, we'll get you some seeds. Like, it's an envelope. It's not that much. I have the seeds. Like you should be able to have access to growing your own medicine, no matter where you are, like what your color is, what, what your gender is, who you are. Like if cannabis helps you as a medicine, you should have access to it. And people in power and privilege shouldn't tell you you shouldn't, or they shouldn't force you to like only be able to buy it through the dispensary system and then tax the shit out of you so that you can't afford to get the milligrams that you need. Like if you need help getting to your medicine or having access to it or like learning to grow it for yourself, like I'm here to help you. And so that's real. That's really what I'm trying to do is just give back to the community and uh, share cannabis with folks because I have the access to the genetics. So I'm constantly making more and I do sell them um, to uh, commercial groups, but I, that are like growing for adult use or medical use, but I also give back and that's giving back is so important because if people hadn't shared with me, like I wanna be here today and with the access that I have. So I just wanna be able to give back and share. And so that's why I've been doing these classes. We did the German nation class, and then we'll kinda, of, as the plants progress, we'll teach the next stages and the steps. Um, I'm looking into, I really want to start teaching edibles classes. Um, I have no problem. Like I make from, like for my patients, I infuse full spectrum oil and CBD into MCT oil and I put it into Mason jars for them. And then they just use a tablespoon and it's 500 milligram dose. So then that makes them 20, 25 milligram edibles from that one tablespoon of oil. And so I teach and empower people to be able to make their own edibles, right? providing them with the infused oil, like it's made from trim. I got plenty of trim. I just want you to be able to have to buy it. Why should you pay $10, $20 for hundred milligrams at the store? How is that accessible to cure your pain? You've got to work an extra job to buy your gummies. And then you're eating all that processed sugar too. So it's like, if, if I can teach and empower people to be self-sufficient, like, the dispensary is a great option. It's nice to be able to have the choice, just like it's nice to be able to go and buy like groceries at Whole Foods. But like if you can harvest that same quality of groceries out of your yard and provide for yourself most of the time and like there's plenty of people that don't want to grow that can go to the dispensaries and they'll stay open. You're not going to put them out of business. They'll be fine. Um, So like if I can help people to provide for themselves and not be dependent on the, like on the commercial industry in cannabis. Like, I think that's really incredible. And I'm always down to help set people up and teach them how to do it. And so if people want to be a care provider in Michigan, or they want to grow, learn to grow, and they want to help make medicine for their patients, like I'm always down to share knowledge and information and people can reach out to me on Instagram and talk to me and I'm always happy to just like help find solutions. I love finding solutions, I'm very solution orientated. Like if folks can, it's like, if you complain about it, I'll find a solution. And if you complain about it again, I'll try to find another solution and try to present it a different way. So it's like, if people are willing to invest in themselves and they really wanna do the work and make the change and they wanna find solutions too, like we can come up with some awesome solutions together. And so like, that's, that's what I do when I do consulting for folks. And that's what I also do when I'm just trying to help people like have access to their own medicine. It's like, how can I help you learn to be self-sufficient? Like, can you grow a couple of plants? Like if you don't have, if you can't like you, let's find you an $80 tent and just put a cheap LED in there. And if you can grow like three or four plants and then you can turn it into your edibles and all of a sudden you're not paying for this anymore. And you're like getting the, the the healing benefits of working with plants and you can take care of it yourself. Okay, let's get to this step. Okay, then I'll teach you how to make the edibles. Okay, let's do this. And so it's like just that self-sufficiency and self-reliance, like it's so empowering to folks to be able to like provide their own plant medicine, like, and to have access to it and not
2: have to depend on the dispensaries for everything. It's nice to have the option, but like self-sufficiency is so awesome.
0: Well, I greatly appreciate the fact that you're helping other people grow. You know, more and more people should be growing for themselves, as you stated, it can be bank-breakingly expensive, especially as you're trying to use it as a fucking medicine. medicine. Uh, there's no way, there's no way. I mean, at, at that point, it could almost compete with the price of hand-in-hand hand with bills. I mean, uh, and they're making it, so if you don't roll it yourself, I mean, come on. I, who can a, who could afford to make RSO? Oh, yeah.
1: You need a couple of grams a day when you're in the later stages. Like, it's, it's insane that they're charging, like, 50, 60. Like, RSO should literally be, like, $10 a gram at the most like at the most like anything more than that like rso is the reason that we have medical cannabis should have medical cannabis so like that is a patient forward product people are not buying it to dab like if people are buying rso it's because they're fucking sick and like that should be subsidized by all these like more expensive fancy recreational adult use products like you want all this fancy shit that's fine it's expensive But like RSO that's keeping people from dying. Like, I've known people that like stage four, they tell them there's no chance that they're gonna live and they have less than a month to live. And then they start ingesting multiple grams a day of RSO and they go back a month later and everything's shrinking, it's reducing, and then they go back later and the doctors can't figure out where it went. And like, we can't make medical claims, but like, if you can see somebody like, I know people that are alive, like, that were supposed to be that 10 years ago because I shared CBD like full spectrum RSO with them so it's like I know that like I've experienced the healing ability in people in my life have experienced the healing possibilities of this plant but like if it hadn't been a gift to be able to give them the amount that they need who can afford 60 grams of RSO like real real like even even at ten dollars a gram that's still six hundred dollars like you really have to be invested like and you have to like believe like that's scary that's a lot of money if you're already poor and sick and dying to like shell out that kind of money so like it's it's yeah like that should be at a low accessible cost and with hemp production like like RSO should get even cheaper because any of the isolates like I use them as an amplifier. So if I have a full spectrum, uh, like a full spectrum CO2 extracted uh, THC RSO, but I want it to have more CBC and more CBG. So then I'll amplify it. I call it and then I'll add in isolate and I'll warm it up and I'll infuse it and the isolate will meld with that RSO. well, like now it has a higher concentration of CBC. So like that's going through a totally different receptor in your body from the CBD and the THC. So then it like hits a different type of inflammation. Okay, let's do that. And so like I'm able to custom blend for my patients uh, extra full spectrum products. So like if people are like, oh, well, I've done the research and for the type of cancer that I'm experiencing, it's recommended that I have a high amount of CBG, a little bit of THC and some CBD and some CBG. So it's like, okay, so then I can create the ratios from all the isolates while using full spectrum tested THC oil and create the ratio that they need. I'm like, you need a 20 to one? Like a lot of the older people in my neighborhood, all the older ladies in my neighborhood, for sure, like all of them are on the super high, full they're on full spectrum, but they're on a 20 to one of CBD to THC because they don't want to get high, but their bodies ache. Like the one lady, she fell through the hole in the floor and compacted her whole body because she fell into her well hole. And so her whole body was aching and she couldn't get around. So then I was like, I know you don't like to get high. Um, Her husband loves the edibles, but she doesn't. And so- I got her on the full spectrum, super high CBD with low THC and I just created a perfect blended ratio for her. And so it's like, here you go. Take this. Okay. Do you want to try a little bit more THC? Okay. Well then take this gummy with your tincture. Okay. Now this is your ratio. So then I can control the dosage and then you can change it like your experience. So if you're like, like I take CBC tincture when I get up. And then it's like, okay, well, now I want to add in some THC. So then I'll take a dab. And then it's like, oh, my body's really feeling sore. I need some CBD and take some tincture. And so having access to the different isolates and products for people that are actually using it as a medicine, you can really custom blend their experience. Like CBN is incredible, five to 10 milligrams, and you sleep all night. It like shuts your brain down. But like, it's like smoking a good indica but it's like the nice thing about cbn is when you smoke it or you ingest it or you take it as a tincture it doesn't like knock you out instantly but as soon as you like lay down and relax your body's just out so it's not like it knocks you out while you're sitting up while you're still trying to do stuff so you can take it just before you're going to bed but as soon as you lay your head on that pillow and you're just like (sighs) like it's like the cbn's like okay time to kick in good night and then you wake up and you're like holy shit, it's eight hours later? Like, whoa, I slept. And so like for a lot of my friends that have like different traumas and have different stressors that it's really hard for them to like get their mind to shut off or get their bodies to relax before bed, then I just make them a CBN rich tincture that they can take at night. Because if you already have THC in your system, you don't need extra THC in your tinctures you can just have a cbc tincture a cbn tincture a cbg tincture and then you can take and amplify your own system and so for some people i make um isolate specific tinctures and then they can kind of control their experience because they're already smoking flower have cannabis in their life but if they need more of the specific cannabinoids then they can dose from their tinctures so it's like really delving into like providing deeper met needs than just like THC for folks in the medical space is really important. And the hemp allows us to do it really inexpensively because they can isolate it all and ship it. Like I got a key of CBD and it showed up on my porch in a box. Thanks. It's in a Galen Mason jar and looks like powdered sugar, but the UPS guy dropped it off. Have a good day, sir. Thank you. Federally legal, shipped hemp. And so then I can add that to my medical product that's legal here and provide a richer experience without having to focus on growing, spend using up my plant numbers to grow that CBD to add CBD to everything. If I want a higher CBD plant, I can just use a THC plant and then add some CBD from the hemp side to it. And so it allows me to control the ratios in that I can take something that was barely had any CBD in it, and now it's a CBD enriched strain. So I can add it, I can add it into a sauce. So I can make dabs for folks, different ratios for people with isolates. So, like, if people like find that the dabbing's too intense, but they want to still dab, but they want all the terps, but they want more CBD, so they're not quite as uh, an anxiety induced experience. Then I'll blend in a percentage of uh, isolate for them and then it'll reset back up into the dabs and then they can smoke it that way. So it's really just like I love being able to like custom blend the products and make it so that patients have like more directly met
2: their medical needs. And then that way they can kind of explore and kind of see what works best for them.
0: I've seen tinctures do some great things uh for pain I'm a fan of the tinctures for sure and creams as far as that goes I've seen some great uh balms uh definitely that are amazing it's a it's a wonderful plant man it's and that's well I'm honestly afraid. Well, and one of the reasons I like to see people like yourself and anybody else that's pushing people to grow or getting I shouldn't say pushing, encouraging people to grow. Um, it just, it's, it's a wonderful plant and it, it helps you take care of yourself and it enriches you in a, but, uh, yeah, it's, I'm afraid that recreational will, is gonna take it away from us i'm afraid that if it sweeps and goes federal first then big money's gonna come in and go uh, uh uh before the medical has actually got a got its foothold in so i you know the more people we can get growing on a medical aspect uh the better I, i'm a i'm a firm believer of that I've, I've told people everybody i know in fact i was telling people this weekend get your card keep your card you know as as states go uh, recreational across the board and the medical cards fade I think you know lawmakers go mm-hmm. yeah okay well we, it, we see we see the real deal here it's, and funding slows down for you know research and medical cannabis you need those numbers you need them card numbers to go Okay, look at look at the demand. We've got to put money into this, you know. And if the metal car, cards fade, then the lawmakers go, "Uh huh, stoners just want to get high."
1: Well, and the thing they make it so like like the way the Michigan dispensaries are set up that there's two different menus. Well, most of the time now, you go in and the dispensaries are only buying for the adult use menu, anyways. So you look at what your choices are on the medical side and it's all old and stale, but that's the only one you get your discount on, or you can buy the adult use. So like more times than not, I'm forced to buy from the adult use menu because that's where the good quality fresh product is because no longer can caregivers sell into the medical side and everybody's growing for adult use. And so like we just get left by the wayside. And so you like some stores will like just give you a 10% discount if you're medical and that's how they cover it. Some have two menus, but like the, the the adult use is set up to destroy the medical. That's how they always do it in every state. I've watched it happen. That's why, like in Washington State, you can't even grow your own plants. At least here you get 12, six per adult. Two adults in a household gives you 12 plants. But you know, it's still like at least people can have a few plants at home where like if people don't continue to support the medical. Like that's what the MCMA is trying to do. They're like, oh, people are growing too much weed at home and selling it to their friends and they're not buying enough weed at the dispensary. So we're not making as much money in our corporate investment for our stock options that we thought we were going to buy. So if we just like take away all the caregivers plants and they can't grow any more weed for their patients, then maybe the patients will have to buy it at the dispensaries and then we can control all their dollars and buy it at the high tax rate. And so they, they, it's just like, they don't want, they didn't want people making their own alcohol or beer. It's like privatization and corporations. They don't want you to provide for yourself. And that's why I think it's so important for everybody to grow. So if you're in Michigan and you want to grow some weed, you get 12 plants in your yard and you need 12 seeds. I'll send you 12 seeds, grow some plants. And then when people need to say, Hey, they care. If everybody's growing and everybody's liking growing, they're not going to want to give up their 12 plants. So when we got to stand up for our rights, then we will. And we'll be like, no, you can't take our home grows. Like people need to grow home grows. We spend, they've made billions of dollars at the dispensary. The billions of dollars is not enough out of a poor busted state during coronavirus. I really don't know what to say. Like how deep is the greed, I guess. Like, so yeah,
2: if you want to grow your own plants, hit me in the DM, I'll get you some seeds. Like, please grow plants and keep growing plants, folks.
0: You kind of pointed out uh, something too, or uh, made me think about something is you're right, you know, even our legal producers right now, soon as they get the chance, they are like, fuck this medical girl, we're going rack." you know, there's less bullshit. I think they've made it, uh, they're actually gearing it to where they're encouraging producers to even walk away from the record or the medical market.
1: Well, and once you go, once you go over, you're done, like you're, you're transferred. So you can't be like, your license can't be both, but it's like, it's like my genetics right now that are my library that I have as a medical person, when we, if if I transfer over into a rec rec license, then it's basically, um, I can bring all those genetics over and then they're in metric. But that's, like, you get that one time of immaculate conception of when you transfer from medical to adult use to, like, manifest all your genetics over into the system. So, like, you, like, when these farms are doing it, like, they're just, they're there. And now they're there. And, like, they have to survive within that system. They they can't be like, oh, this system sucks. I want to go backwards to where I was at. And because of, like, we're not able to put the overages into the market anymore, they're, like, forcing us into the way that we, like, work. You know, they're, like, it's, like, it's all patient to patient. Well, of course it's patient to patient. Like, you said we couldn't sell the overages to you, so of course they got to go to a different patient. Where, where else are they going to go? Like, they told they told people, like, if it could be, like, you could get it just tested and just bring it over and it could be fine. But it's like, there's so much cost to bring over one unit and you put all that into it, like, and then the prices are so low, how do people survive? So it's like, at a small scale. So it's just like, they put all these different barriers to entry for transitioning over. And then once you're over, it's like, you need to scale, 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 sell out. Like, they're trying to force you to scale up and sell out. Or like in California, it's like, how can they run the medical producers into the ground? trying to get them convert to adult use and then pay so many fees that eventually it's like, okay, the only way I can save my farm is to sell out to X, Y, or Z corporate, multi-state, multi-country corporate trash, mid-grade brand because they're the only ones with fucking daddy's deep financing or corporate financing or like raising funds that can afford to pay to keep you growing because oh, they want you to spend another $300,000 to grade the road and have a pull-off every 20 minutes. You know, like they keep putting all these barriers to entry to force people to consolidate so that like a smaller people can't exist within the market. It's like, there's no point in me producing flour at this point. That's why I'm producing seeds. Like, what am I going to do with the flour? I still have pounds of flour from last year. Like my patients can't smoke it enough. I can't smoke it enough. It's not great. It's not super exciting because it lived in Michigan outdoor, what's left at this point. So like, why would I grow a whole bunch more flour, grow a portion of flour and focus on genetics? Because at least the genetics can help more people to cultivate, which is what needs to happen. But like just producing a bunch of bulk outdoor flour in Michigan is pointless. So it's like the genetics and for me and the seeds are like, I can go around the world with the seeds, but you can't take the flower out of the state, but the seeds fall under hemp because they're under 0.03 THC, just like shipping clones fall under hemp 0.03%. Put that shit in the mail to anywhere. But what am I going to do with my flower? I can like up in the middle of the woods. Like there's only like, and everybody goes to the dispensary now anyways. So it's like, besides covering all my patients, edibles and medical like oils and stuff, like what's the point? So like that's, and what's the value of it anymore at $800, $1,000, $1,200 a pound, like focus on seeds, make seeds, like preserve genetics and share genetics and how more people cultivate versus just producing more flour into the market that is like, it's not necessary so, like, and then when I come indoor, the cost of electricity, the cost of all the overhead, like, I mean, enough to meet the needs to, like, have some smoke, but there's no, there's not the point to you just keep producing more and more. Like, so I'd rather use my plant numbers to focus on producing seeds. So if at some point I'm forced to go adult use or rec or I choose to because the medical market has completely been strangled then at least I have all my genetics and I have the seeds to try to scale up to be able to afford to hold on to my business. Cause it's really hard to grow at a scale and still be an independent business owner. So like, that's why I'm focused on the social aspect of it and the sharing of it and kind of being like, some has to go commercially, but like also how much can I give back and trying to get people to be able to give it back just as much as I can sell. And so it's finding that balance. But the seeds seems to be the avenue that can reach more people and benefit and help more people grow because I can't share the flower with them because of federal regulation. But I can share the seeds. So the seeds, the seeds are my way of helping people right now and helping to like balance that social equity because most
2: people can't afford to spend $40 like I do on a seed. $400 for 10 seeds. Do <laughs> you know? Seeds I, can be pricey. That's for sure. That's for especially sure. the fam autos. Those
1: are like average ten bucks a piece. Like, well, you know, like, sure, that's great. But if you're learning and like, maybe it didn't turn out, or like, you didn't do it. Like, there's like so much barrier to entry. Like, if you've never grown and now you gotta buy a hundred dollars worth of seeds, you gotta buy a hundred dollar tent, you gotta buy a hundred dollar light. You got to pay $100 in electricity to keep it for three months. Then you needed a fan. Then you needed a carbon scrubber and an exhaust and then a pH meter. And then you need nutrients and then you need dirt and then you need pots. And it's just like, it's just all these things. And it's so, it's like, if I can help people like get one less expense and like the great thing about autos is like, they don't need fertilizer. You can put them in the flower and off you go. It's a $10 bag of soil. You know, you put, a, you put two, two, three plants in there, grow them in a big pot and you can grow yourself some medicine and the barrier to entry is really low. And so that's why like providing the seeds for folks that this getting the good genetics that actually produce, like I already spent a ton of money buying the mothers and the fathers to all these plants that I made. And so I take the best of the best out of my really expensive choices and make more so that way they can be shared with lots of people and they don't have to pay those expensive fees so like even when i like put up even when i provide seeds bulk to farms it's only a couple dollars a seed it's like i don't want them to pay too much i would rather be like them just grow more plants because the price is right and the seeds are good then to be like I have to cherish and hold on to these 10 seeds that I have because I spent $400 on them. You know, I, I, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on the seeds in my garden and I'll keep a few plants because those were the good goods. And then I'll make a whole bunch of seeds and I'll share them with a bunch of people. And then I'll have already done the work of collecting all these different genetics, bringing them together, selecting the best, and then I can make it more accessible to more people and share it forward and they can keep creating because the more people breeding and making genetics is more diversity and some of it will be amazing and some of it will be trash but as long as people keep doing it there's a possibility for more but if nobody's doing it or very few people are doing it it's really going to bottleneck and so like just having that genetic diversity
2: out there like for future generations helps us all Well,
0: it it does make it a lot easier for it, but you know, I just want to say this: so, as far as like that, four hundred dollars in beans for what you would pay in flour, you know what I mean? For what you can produce for that four hundred dollars, I mean, you definitely, if you're doing things right, you should be able to get four hundred and then some back, you know. But definitely, but it's it's
1: having the privilege to have an extra $400 to invest in your project on top of all the other expenses on top of it. Like for, for the average folks that are living on $15 an hour, or $12 an hour, that's like a week or two's rent or week, week or two's paycheck, you know, like after taxes, like that's a car payment. That's, like, a big portion of rent. That's food for the month. So, like, for a lot of folks, like, yeah, it's cool that, like... But, like, one plant produces 25,000 seeds, like... Like, or a pound of flour. 25,000 seeds or a pound of flour. Like, it's not really... Like, I get making it exclusive, but, like, it's also really unnecessary. It's just,
2: like... Like you don't need a $400,000 seed drop. Like, I mean, yeah,
1: it's, I mean, it just, it just creates an elitist system and keeps it away from the general masses. And so like for myself, it's like, I appreciate that I have access to that, but I also want to like create new crosses. Like, I don't feel like I should just like replicate their seeds and then pass them all for free. Cause that's super an asshole thing to do. Um, but if I, if I can hunt through their genetics and then create crosses and then share those out into the public, then that allows people to like delve for, further and create their own things, but they didn't have to come up with that initial upfront
2: cost because I did that. So it's kind of where I, how I like when I'm things
1: I'm like, okay, I know this is an insane amount of money for these seeds, but I know what I'll be able to find in there. I'll find something that'll be worth breeding forward to take into the next
2: generation. And in the long run, it will pay for itself.
0: It will pay for itself. Uh, You know, there's just nothing better. You know, I've said this a, a bunch of times. I believe the real medicine is actually in cultivating in itself and just you know obviously there is some medical benefits to using cannabis in itself but producing your own medicine and you know creating that can-do attitude when you're sick is a quite powerful thing you know especially when you're down and out and you know just being able to sustain for yourself is very powerful in itself you know uh, I know when I've had injuries before and it's just saying, I can is one of the fucking hardest things I can do. I I, I can't, you know, I can't. But it, when you can flip that around and you can say, I can, you know, I did, and you pick yourself up out of that, I can't. Well, you're on your way to recovery after that.
1: Oh, it, the mindset is so important for folks. It is so important. And when seeing seeing that plant grow and seeing yourself like it's like, you're learning to care for something and take care of something. And like, at the same time, like, it's teaching you to appreciate yourself because you're doing it. And so it's, it's, it's such strong medicine to like work with the plants. And I feel like you can feel that when you smoke different products to based on like the energy, like that was put into it. Like, a huge commercial salt-based grow versus like a small sun-grown grow or something that was grown where the farmer like was super hands-on and intensive and cared about their crops versus somebody that's trying to just produce thousands of pounds of bulk. You, the the energy that the person puts into their plants definitely comes through in the final experience of the smoke. Uh, I, I've i always felt that way with cannabis that like it it has a lot to do with like the love and the intention and the focus on the plant from the farmers really has something to do with the way the plant responds
2: and what the final medicine is that it produces.
0: I agree. So, what are uh, what has, in your opinion, been some of the best uses for medicine made out of cannabis? It's it's it's
1: really just like bringing, like, the body back to that homostasis to, like, reducing the stress, reducing the inflammation, reducing the anxiety, like, personally, like, I can get, there can be so much going on. And, like, cannabis can just kind of, like, help me focus and center and be present in my experience, versus getting, hold into the past in my mind running and thinking about things that I cannot change that have already happened or stressing about the future again things that are going to happen that I can currently that I'm not currently going to affect but like my mind wants to think about it like cannabis helps me to be very present and then for the all the inflammation and the benefits of the way it helps the body like when I'm explaining CBD to folks I always am like it's, it's not about like, like people expect they're like what THC it's like the high that like that, that like experience change. And with Canon or with CBD, I always tell people it's more about what you don't feel anymore. It's, it's not the focus on like what, like how high you are or how much things change, but it's like the things that don't ache. That like that extra twenty minutes you could do gardening. That like that first little extra you could reach your toes in yoga. Like that the little deeper sleep that you had. A lot of the a lot of the things with cannabis, it's the things that don't bother you anymore after you consume it, versus focusing on the way it changes your experience. So it's just like what it the things that hurt or the things that ache. That no longer ache when you can consume cannabis or the things that like bothered you that like you can let go of the focusing on the negative of the experience and just appreciate appreciate and enjoy your current present space and i i i've seen that help people so much with cannabis like and for myself that's something that i've found really beneficial is Learning to live in the presence versus being distracted by the past or the future. And I feel like cannabis really gives uh uh an ability to like focus on that work.
0: So is breeding where you're gonna stay? Is that uh your cannabis plateau, if you will? Uh well
1: it's it's where I find a lot of joy and I get to, I still get to flower and grow and try all different kinds of buds. Um, but I really like the idea of creating the future or the next thing that folks will experience versus repeating the past. And so for breeding, it really allows me to do that where uh, cultivation, I love it and I can hone in and like, all the years growing diesel and OG like I am so grateful for that experience but like getting to wake up and go look at the plants and see something new happening and be like oh oh now this and then like my mind will be like and if I put it with this and if we do this and then also like the guessing and the prediction by like selecting the next genetics that I add into my projects like well, if it's this and this, I know both the parents. And so this could be the possibility. And it's just all those possibilities. Like, yeah, I probably will be in, uh, focused on the genetics for a long time. Uh, I really, it allows me to uh, be able to create a lot of different things. And also to be in multiple places with my plants growing at the same time. It's like you can only do so like I can only grow so much many hands-on acres or so much canopy. But if other people are out there then popping my seeds and growing more plants, it's like all those more possibilities are out there. And so it's like I get to have a further reach as far as the people that I affect and the change that I can create. And so like the deepening of community that seeds has really brought. Like I'm really grateful for the community of people interested in genetics, and like just the spark of passion that like when people get into genetics and all of a sudden they're like, mailbox is blowing up because they can't stop buying seeds and you're like, ah, oh, that passion that it inspires in people, I love that. So I I really like being a part of that. So yeah, definitely going to be doing seeds for a while, and uh, I really like helping people get started with it. So it's, it's, it's a cool space to be in. And as, more, as it opens up across the planet, it's, it's real easy to take seeds somewhere and start another project and evolve the genetics in a different direction. So it really allows for a lot of potential exploration and just like getting into new things and seeing and doing and being in new places.
2: So I'm really stoked to be able to be a part of it and that I've had the privilege and the access to it.
0: Sounds like you've had a pretty good journey so far.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh I'm sorry, I am fading fast on you tonight. I am uh, it's quite a bit later, but I am this has been really awesome to be able to have this conversation and I'm so stoked that you reach out to me and are interested in what I'm doing. And hopefully some people want to pop some seeds and grow some new plants. And I am uh, happy to share that
0: forward with them. Again, where can they reach out to you?
1: Uh, reparation seeds uh, on Instagram and reparation seeds at protonmail.com. Uh, Proton mail. It's all encrypted end to end. It's kind of like signal, but for email. Uh, So it's a really nice thing in the industry because all our correspondence and information is private. And so it's just a further protection since we are still dealing with federal regulations being different than local regulations. But the awesome thing about seeds is that they fall under hemp because they're under 0.03% THC. So anywhere in America, if you want... If you want to try them for souvenir purposes, <laughs> I've got
0: you. Nice. Couple things before you go, my friend. I'd like to explain to you. I don't know uh, how much you've looked into the show, but basically, there's a few versions of it. If you scroll down the the channel, there's of course uh, fucking talking shit with me, ah, and then uh, there is the wormhole. And of course uh the organic takeover with Smiley's Gardens where he uh teaches the organics or once a month. That's next week, by the way. Uh but what I'm getting to is the wormhole. The wormhole is open to all past guests, which you you are now well, soon to be a past, you're a current guest. Soon to be a past guest. But your invitation starts now. Anyway, uh you subscribe to the channel anytime you get a notification and it says wormhole, you're bored, you're up, you wanna hang, tell us about some seeds or whatever. Feel free, it's an open invitation. You don't need me to go, hey man, you wanna come on tonight? Nah, that's up to you. That's up to the past guests. You know what I mean? I have no real control who comes on, but it's open to you from now on, so Please take awesome. that Zoom invitation that I gave you. Uh, you're always welcome. Anytime you want to pop on, hang out, please do.
2: Awesome, the thank last,
0: you. Last thing I'd like to get from you is what I call the sound bite. And it's basically a commercial for your episode. It's like the old radio station identification back when the artist would be like, hey, I'm on 105 K-Rock. But in this case, what I'm looking for in my words not yours It's hey this is Eagle and I'm on fucking talking about shit with Eagle episode 443 you can put anything you want before or after that as long as it contains at least that in the sound bite uh I'm going to go ahead and hit record so I don't have to go back and cut this out there we go anytime you're ready my friend
1: Hey, this is Reparation Seeds, and I'm on episode 443 of Talking Shit with Eagle. And we are talking about social equity in cannabis. And I have been breeding autoflowers and early photo period seeds. And if you'd like to try some, reach out. go. that was perfect. Perfect. I Say was again.
0: like, <laughs> I love Sound like a commercial Uh, that's what it's supposed to sound like perfect I was like pace cadence get it right well I greatly appreciate your time again coming on has bought us another night to hang out uh in chat another chance for this little community to gather so I can't thank you enough for coming on and telling us your story and a little bit uh about the man behind the Instagram So I thank you. And again, don't forget that is an open in in, uh, open ended invitation. So uh, please take us up on that sometime. Uh, Greatly looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you have a great evening. All right. Thank you. Well, guys, that does wrap up this episode of 443. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this. I know I have unless uh somebody else wants to jump in and man the wormhole tonight I've got some work to do tonight so one tonight is a rarity unless somebody else steps up there is no wormhole I got to get ready for the event uh the Bigfoot event uh I'm trying to get my chores done so I can go hang out at the Bigfoot Lodge this weekend and uh that's gonna be some fun I can't wait to be honest with you. And it has been long overdue since I've got to hang out with the people in the community. And man, man, oh man, I need it. So you guys knew the know the deal? Random acts of kindness do say a breathing example of that. I'm not afraid to to mipping hand at some point. Everybody needs helping hand at some point now big bob girls i just got enough negativity in my own life and i don't need it so enjoy your night you guys have a good one
2: fuck that night